0: I was never allowed to hold the guns, much less load or shoot it. You see, I was just a girl. I would do in a pinch when there were no sons around.
1: Hey there, and welcome to Grit, True Stories That Matter. Grit is a weekly podcast about stories, the contemporary, personal, narrative kind of story, and the people that craft and tell them. Each week, a storyteller will tell one of their stories and then break it down with me, Sean. Why, you ask? Well, we want to feature these tellers and their stories, and also to help you, our listeners, craft and tell better, more engaging, more relatable and more memorable stories, true stories, personal stories, grit stories. We are in the middle of season number two, dedicated entirely to women and their stories, and this week I am joined by Linda Durett. Linda lives down in West Virginia, home of the Mountaineers, We met last year. She was actually a student in one of my classes, and she has also told stories at our 99 Second Slam. She has joined us for our improv and story event called The Flash, as well as our open mic, the Mental Health Happiest Hour, among other places. I'm really happy that Linda's joining me. She's a great teller. She's a really cool person. As always, I want to thank all of our tellers who have joined us here thus far since we started in October, and all of our listeners. I really appreciate you listening. And if you've got any feedback you want to give or questions, reach out. You can email us, hello at storygrit.com. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube, and you could also help us out if you listen on Apple by rating and reviewing this podcast. It really helps. Thanks so much for that. Okay, Linda D., let's dive in. Now, I know you took a class that I taught, but we knew each other before then. How did we first meet? We met because
0: I had joined up with the West Virginia Storytelling Guild and they were promoting your work, some of your classes and groups. So I actually eavesdropped on a couple of your classes. You know, oh, cool. Didn't didn't make myself known, but, uh, you know, like, this is pretty cool. I, th- I think I want to associate with this group right in the middle of COVID. Yep. Uh, I love to tell stories. I love to yep. write. I love creativity. And I really missed hanging around with those kinds of folks.
1: I'm glad we found each other.
0: Me too.
1: I know. And I remember on our first day of class, you had shared that your family had a long history in very like, was it storytelling or poetry or something like that? Right.
0: My father's sister, my aunt Irene was the poet laureate for the state of West Virginia.
1: There it is. Yeah. So
0: there is that creative link and there's some other people in my family that are artistic as well.
1: And you're in West Virginia.
0: That's where I live now. I lived in North Carolina for over 33 years, though, in the Charlotte area.
1: Oh, that is a few hours away from me, at least. Mm-hmm. I'm in um, Chapel Hill.
0: Right.
1: Originally from New York. I always make sure people know that for some reason. <laughs> Nothing wrong with North Carolina, but it's just not New York. Uh, all right, so you went North Carolina to West Virginia. Right. Home of the Mountaineers. Mm. Beautiful yeah. state. Beautiful oh, it's gorgeous.
0: State. A lot of people don't know just how absolutely beautiful West Virginia is very primitive and backward in a lot of ways. (laughs) Right. But it's, it's very unspoiled.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's because people don't know about it. Hey, yay. Hey, yay. Keep it that way. Yeah. Uh, Well now that the 7 million listeners hear this, it's going to change, of course, (laughs) a couple of listeners. (laughs) So a question about this story, which by the way, Uh, If anyone listens to this podcast, they know sometimes I know the stories in advance. Sometimes I don't. I just trust the teller. They'll bring their story and then we'll talk about the story and their involvement in the world of storytelling. Before you tell the story, I'm wondering, you recently put this together, this particular story. The
0: thought had been rolling around in my head for many years. And then there was this huge epiphany in the spring. I'm like, this is a story I shared it with a couple folks. I never have actually told it as a full story, but I shared the idea. A number of people said, that is a story. That's a story no. you should tell. I think it's powerful, especially given the times that we're in with folks leaning so many different directions about equality, whether it comes to races, uh, gender, uh, sexual orientation, disability. It just fit in because you'll, you'll hear it in the story. Why, why it's a story for the times.
1: All right. So as always, how I always lead into people's stories is I'm going to stop talking. I do that once in a while, (laughs) not for very long. And then you'll tell your story and then we'll talk about the story. We'll break it down a little bit. Does that sound cool?
0: That's great.
1: All right. Whenever you're ready, I am all ears.
0: My 93 year old dad is a walking inspiration to me, even if he now limps with a cane. I never knew him to tell a lie. I only heard him cuss once, and that was when the local sheriff wanted to search his property for stolen goods. He always was willing to listen to my stories how chaos infected my life, affected my life. Even when I would tarry late into the night, even when he had to get up and go to an early work meeting, he was and is my go-to for solid advice. I really appreciated that. He was an officer during the Korean War, training Southern Koreans in military and institutional planning, helping devise policy, procedure. Their troops were inexperienced and raw. When I was six months old, he and his two South Korean support officers were trapped behind enemy lines. They were bombarded by heavy artillery fire. He thought they were gonna die. He commanded them to blow up their Jeep and flee for their lives. Making their way over the countryside, they hid in safe houses, barns, and chicken coops. They had to rely on trusted farmers their guts, their instincts, their intuition. They needed the locals to protect and feed them. They often traveled at night, only lit by stars and moon glow. Eventually, they found a friendly farmer. He had a phone and he called a nearby US Army base, hoping their message hadn't been intercepted by North Korean spies lurking in the area. Rescued. They endured days in lonely isolation under US intelligence interrogation. This was to ensure that their stories matched, they weren't defectors, and they weren't selling out their army comrades. Dad could split a misty cloud with a trout fly fishing rod, plop it kerplunk in a chilly mountain brook, catch a twelve inch native brook trout. He could split the air with a 20-gauge shotgun, bringing home squirrel and turkey to the family table. He often would split heated arguments with profound words, meaningful, thought-provoking, leaving the listeners aware of his deep thoughts, his intellectual logic, and the audience probing for more information. Dad used the GI Bill to put himself through graduate school, got a master's in psychology. As a side hustle and being a pool shark, he could have gone professional, but he picked up extra cash, playing pool, betting. This helped support his growing family. I was a third girl born. My brothers didn't arrive till long after me. Dad came home from the war, decided I would be his buddy. I would accompany him on his outdoor adventures. We hiked, we fished, we hunted, okay. Let me clarify this. I carried the fish bait in the bucket, he fished. I never was allowed to actually hold the rod and reel much less cast the lure into the water. I carried the rucksack to stash the harvested squirrels, he hunted. I was never allowed to hold the guns much less load or shoot it. You see, I was just a girl I would do in a pinch when there were no sons around i accepted that even though it didn't seem fair because i was going to do anything i could to get out of the house and far far away from my difficult mother eventually my brothers came along he invited them to go with us oh no that was competition when they jumped in the car to go with me and dad i sternly told those bratty boys Their place was in the back seat. I would be sitting in the front seat with dad. It made me sad when for their 12th birthdays, they got shotguns, ammunition, rods, reels, tackle boxes. I got a Betsy Wetsy when I was eight. And then when I was 12, I got a Barbie doll. As life progressed, things changed, time warped. My life became so different. I had to adjust. I had to reinvent myself. On my own, I figured out how to fish, boat, hunt, and even went primitive camping by myself in the North Carolina mountains. Just me, my German shepherd, and my 357. Being outside, breathing fresh air, sunshine, rain, that was my sanctuary. That's where I found my splendid peace. I studied Became a North Carolina master gardener, a certified North Carolina beekeeper. My flower gardens were even featured in the Charlotte Observer. I started writing a garden column for the Charlotte Observer, a Pulitzer Prize winning newspaper. Things I embraced since childhood now embraced me. I was happy. The first time I visited dad after mom died this past spring, I pulled up in the driveway. I stared, started bawling and sobbing. The black, choking dust of her narcissistic pallor was gone. Sweet serenity and blessed healing. Oh, it enveloped the roof, the porch, the doors. I couldn't wait to get inside to visit with Dad. Dad has slowed down now. He's had many days filled with quiet and nostalgic moments. We still have deep discussions about everything from filibusters to taxes. Legacies we wanna to leave to our children, our grandchildren. How to grow the sweetest roasting years, how to cook them. How to have garlic ready to be plucked for our early morning omelets. How the best garden mulch comes when you use grass clippings. And then we get into hearty debates about whose tomato plants is gonna yield the first juicy fruit. One evening about a month ago, we were sitting at his kitchen table, eating Swiss chard and roast chicken sandwiches, talking about everything and nothing. He sat up suddenly, really straight, like an energy bolt, busted his butt and traveled right up his spine. His eyes narrowed and squinted. I knew he was about to share one of his really important thoughts. So I was just hanging on, waiting. These are the kinds of ideas that had lifted and guided me for decades. I held my breath. I stopped chewing. Linda, I was wrong. I always thought men were more important than women. I was wrong. Women are just as valuable as men and they deserve every opportunity a man should have. We need women just as much as men. We cannot survive. We cannot evolve without them. Our world needs beautiful, strong women. I gulped, quietly choking on my sautéed shallots, and then I smiled. That energy bolt, it flashed right into his heart chambers, circulated around his veins, and landed square in his logical thinking skull. It's never too late to get it right.
1: Linda in her, on her couch where she sits. Yeah. I've seen you on that couch for a while. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Great. So that's a story about, man, how does that feel to put that together? And then, you know, even though it's an audience of one here, how does it, how does it feel to tell it?
0: I had pieces of it floating around and floating around. And so then I just started making notes. I've got lots and lots of notebooks and, you know, anytime a thought a word, phrase comes to me, I make notes. Yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna use that somewhere someday. That feels like something delicious. And I want to pull it out. Mm-hmm. So I had all these notes. I've been wanting to tell this story. And I wrote it and then I went, wait, wait, what changed? That's the story. What changed?
1: What did change? I I think I know, but I was thinking about that. Like is it more your dad's change or your change?
0: It was my dad's change, and it was so beautiful. I got to see it and experience it. So it it changed me, in appreciation and more love for him.
1: Got it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you do a couple things that are interesting, or more than a couple. But the first three or more minutes, all about your dad. Yeah, all building background and like things about your dad, which is really interesting. And also another interesting choice you made, which I like, it's different, but I like it, is the only scene, scene like really grounded in a moment is the last scene, if I recall correctly, right? You're sort of going through larger brushstrokes of his life and your life and your relationship. And then it ends and lands on that big scene in which, in a sense, both of your changes are illustrated.
0: The last scene, uh, I deliberately created a posture, a pose. I wanted to share, here's what I hear. Here's what I see. Here's what I'm tasting, smelling. I want to use all of the senses to set the scene. I feel like that's how you invite people to come in your place, feel that space with
1: you. Right. There's a lot of ways to show stuff, but that's one of them taking us into the senses which you did a nice job of so this story has it gone through any changes or is this essentially the first draft that you sort of tweaked on your own and and this is it i'm
0: going to be really honest appreciate it i I tweaked it and changed it five more minutes before i told it that's the way it is with stories it just keeps evolving because you change
1: yeah So is that your process? I imagine it's not always your process. I know you said you jot down things all over the notebooks. I I always ask people their process. For me, I know I tend to lean on mostly writing things out, but I've gotten better at writing for the ear. Like I don't write for it to be read. I know it's going to be something that's heard. So I write my own style that breaks grammar rules. It's not about that, right? Uh, and then I try to whittle it down so I'm not really reading and I do these different things. It's actually quite laborious. Uh, what is your process? If you have one in terms of going from like beginning to end.
0: I, I'm an extremely creative person.
1: Yeah. I
0: have two degrees in art and one in journalism. So I approach everything from my senses. How does it feel to me? My process is I'm going to record all of that and then my story is going to evolve.
1: Yeah, it's cool to hear people's process, not even just storytelling stuff and how they get it done. It's like really different.
0: Everything that I, I do in writing, I always come down to three points. There are three main points to every piece of writing that I do. How can I convey those three points? And then I stick to it. Three. Three.
1: Mm-hmm. Magic number.
0: If I start pulling in something that doesn't really fit, I go back and go, oh, I gotta gotta wean myself. I got to stay on point mm-hmm. because if I wander too far out, I'm gonna lose. Probably. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. Good. Yeah. Keep it, keep That's it another
0: story. <laughs> you know, if, right. if that means there's something else, I can tell another time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's about keeping it tight, which I think sometimes people aren't clear on what that even means, but I think that's a good way of putting it. Is there something in the process that you were just talking about? And, or maybe perhaps this particular story for, as an example, that is especially challenging for you. I know that you lean on your mm-hmm. creativity, right? There's some stuff that just, you do it, but it's not easy.
0: In, in this story in particular, when I got to the final scene, I was describing what happened to my dad, how that bolt went through him. And I could see there was going to be something monumental he was going to share with me. And I was waiting on that. When I had to repeat his words, that was extremely emotional for me. That was the hard
1: part. Right. So when you're saying you're writing certain kinds of stories that are especially emotional, just actually getting through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think though, for some people like you, uh, it's, it's it's a sign that you're kind of re, almost reliving it.
0: Oh, absolutely I am. And, and, oh, yeah, I mean, I actually can taste that food. I, mm. I can. I can feel my gut doing the same sort of turning and coming up in my throat. And I actually relive it.
1: I think we, as the audience, often sense that when, when somebody's reliving it. And also for me, anyway, informs kind of how it's delivered. Like you don't have to think as much. I want to say it this way. I guess for me, anyway, it feels organic. Like when you're reliving something, it's coming out your mouth and it's just, that's just the way it needs to be said.
0: I am not just like saying words. I'm actually feeling it.
1: Mm. What was your, do you remember your first stab or shot at this kind of storytelling? This
0: particular kind of storytelling.
1: Yeah, yeah. When
0: I lived in North Carolina 12, 13 years ago, I joined the North Carolina Storytellers Guild. Okay. And they meet in Laurenburg, North Carolina. I, I went to a number of their events. That, it was so cool to hear, hear incredibly different ways of telling stories. They had classes as well, some very famous This is where I first met Bill Lapp, who is West Virginia's number one storyteller, just an incredible storyteller. Uh, I met him there and some other uh, incredible people. They're very gifted. Yeah. So I got very brave and they had a bold faced liar showdown and I decided that's what I was going to do. So I went and told. Hmm at this event uh, later I went to the um, national storytelling festival in Jonesboro, Tennessee. That was just, you know, to sit in the audience and to see world renowned storytellers Yeah, with their craft. Right. So it's, it's something that I've wanted to do for a long time, sort of practiced on people. They didn't know what I was doing, you know, but I, Hey, I want to share something with you. Guess what happened? throw out a word or a phrase, see what their reaction might be. Sometimes it landed great, sometimes not.
1: Is there something that you can think of, like something from that experience from the guild or the festival or other of those kinds of storytellers that separate them, that makes them that good? When you're hearing a story, what are some of the things you're hearing you're like, man, that's really good? The really, really good ones. I
0: forgot that I was sitting there in an audience. Mm -hmm. I forgot I'm in a hall or I'm sitting out here under a tent. I just got sucked into the story. I went right along with them. I felt heard, believed. I wanted to be part of that story. And I got a picture in my mind of it all. Mm -hmm. Those were the ones that really impressed me.
1: Yeah. Hard to do.
0: It is very. And they practice. Oh, that's one thing that surprised me when I first start investigating this they practice their stories hundreds and hundreds of times before they actually get in front of an audience and deliver it
1: right it's not for most of them I don't think it's just an innate gift that they have Mm -hmm. it's it's a performance it's a craft Mm -hmm. at that level for sure but even last night we we had an in-person story slam it was really good and you can usually tell the people who are winging it and the people who have prepared. And not mm-hmm. always, but usually the people that are prepared, their stories are a little more engaging or whatever it is they want to do. And, and one of those things is you get lost in it. Yeah, you do. Right?
0: It, it's the same thing with great movie or even a super commercial. You're just like, man, I can't wait. What's going to happen next? And yeah. you, you just really want to be a part of it.
1: Absolutely. Now, second part of that question is if that's one goal and that's a really good goal to have your audience get lost in your story, what do you think is one or two things that someone who's listening to this might be able to do or at least think about so their audiences might get lost in their stories?
0: Create the scene. Tell me what's there, what Mm. you see, what you feel, what you hear. Tell it from your gut. Mm. And don't be afraid, don't hold back, don't try to be politically correct. And it's okay. It's okay if you fail, you stumble, you it doesn't quite come off. It's okay. Do it again another time.
1: All right. So tell it from your gut and try to include certain kinds of details. Sensory. I call them sensory details. I think it, that's Yeah.
0: What. True. Even if it doesn't work out don't give up. Just try again. Yeah. Nobody perfected their talent, their craft. A brain surgeon didn't go in and say, oh, I got my medical degree. Now I'm going to operate on brains. I mean, you got to work on it.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a journey, but it's fun.
1: It's tricky because I think we're so immersed in story all the time everywhere. And we also use that word very loosely. We're not always talking about a crafted personal narrative story. We, I mean, think about it when we just say to somebody, hey, what's your story? Mm -hmm. It's just the way we we use that word so loosely, it can mean so many things, right? So this is sort of like a subset, sub, sub, subset. And it takes, well, it's a craft, that's all. Mm -hmm. Like poetry, like spoken word or any other number of things, yeah.
0: The groups I've participated in that um, you've led Some people did phenomenal and I'm like, wow, that's really good. And then there are other people that were just getting into it, but they tried. And I applaud anybody that puts themselves out there, lets us see the inside, what's going on. I'm like, yes,
1: do it. And it's not done usually, but just start with heart. That's what I say. Start there. Mm -hmm. Then you can shape and carve and craft. But if you don't start there, it's hard for me. Some people don't care about it. I do. I do too. Yeah. So you had said Bill Lapp is the other, other tellers that you've run across, whether it's from back in the NC days or on your zoom days that you really like.
0: I'm, I'm going to have to mention my aunt Irene. Uh, I mean, she's passed, but now she wasn't a storyteller, you know, like we're talking about. She was a poet but she told stories in her poetry mm-hmm. and she used words in a lyrical way to bring you along so that you could sense it.
1: Nice. She had
0: a, a lot of influence on me as far as
1: how to use words. Poet Laureate of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Hmm. This, your dad's still around? Yeah, he's 93. So that happened not that long ago, that exchange that we hear in the story. Just a couple months ago. Wow. What do you think happened where that change really, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? How, how did that happen?
0: No, to reach 93 and have been, you know, a soldier and pretty ingrained and stubborn, actually, you know, about your life, your beliefs. And to come to that point, I, I think a couple things happened. My mother died. He has been spending a lot of time alone with his own thoughts, reflecting on his life, his legacy, what he's leaving behind. We've had a lot of conversations about that. I think it just hit him. He's looking at his children. Mm -hmm. What is he going to leave behind? What does he want them to think about him as a man, his values, his honor? I believe his process led him to the point that all humans have value are worthwhile. No human, no gender, no race is better than anybody else.
1: Mm.
0: And that's why, you know, I ended the story with, you know, it's never too late to learn, to grasp a new idea, to embrace a new way of thinking. Mm -hmm. That's what I feel our nation our world really needs to do now i'm waxing political which gets me in trouble (laughs) um, i
1: bet it does down there a little bit too
0: oh yeah i hope to tell you
1: but also it's not only that but you given that this is a personal story you also appreciate that and see him in a different way it wasn't just him it was you
0: Uh, he's been sharing a lot of stuff with me like i didn't know about this story when he was down behind enemy lines. I didn't know about that until a couple months ago.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. He said, I never have told anybody about this. Wow. So I said, this is really important. I'm going to interview I'm going to be the journalist. So I did. We spent several hours and I just interviewed him. Well, tell me, what did you eat? Where did you sleep? Specific. Specific. Yeah. So that heavy artillery, what did it sound like? What did it smell like? I wanted to to hear all of that so I can understand and relate. So he got to tell his story. It blew me away.
1: And most of us like to be heard.
0: Everybody has a story.
1: And they want to tell it.
0: Listen. We need people to listen.
1: Yeah, and that could be an audience of one, or it could be an audience of a bit large number. And it could also be these kinds of stories, or like I was saying earlier, sort of a different de- definition of story. Just somebody sharing their life, whatever form it ends mm-hmm. up in.
0: If you don't tell it, it might be lost forever. So tell it.
1: There is actually a large percentage of people, at least from what they share, that think that their stories, they just, I don't have stories where they don't matter. And I'm like, man, and I don't want to fight you on it, but I just don't agree. Uh, I don't know how to necessarily always bridge that gap, but boy, oh boy.
0: As long as you have another breath, you have a story.
1: That's a great tagline for something. I love it. <laughs> if you've got another breath, you've got a story. Yes. I love it. Good story. Thanks for, ta- for joining me and telling it. It really was lovely. It's always good to talk to you. So uh, yeah. Good to see you. Any other any other words you want to share before we skedaddle back into our lives? I think
0: everybody should take the 4th of July and truly reflect on our beautiful country, what it means to be free, to choose to believe whatever you want to believe.
1: As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. And special thanks to Linda down in West Virginia. Thank you, Linda, for telling that story and breaking it down. And remember, you can check the show notes for information on upcoming events and workshops. That is all for episode number 36. Boom.